0: Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Pru, and today we are on the airwaves with Colonel Rich Marigliano, Commodore of the Naval Test Wing Atlantic, to learn more about this technically diverse air wing and the value it brings to our naval forces. Sir, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, it's great to be here, and please call me Chachi. It's what everybody knows me at at work, so.
0: Okay, Chachi, well then let's start with your background um, and the background of the Naval Test Wing Atlantic. Tell us about the mission and the makeup of the squadrons. Why would you say it's so diverse?
1: Well, it's it's a very unique uh, air wing in the world of test and evaluation and developmental test. Uh, we have two wings. There's actually a wing on the west coast and on the east coast. West coast, very weapons oriented. That's the primary mission for the west coast. Two squadrons there that do test and developmental work. On the east coast is where we do the aircraft part of the aircraft division weapon center. So. We focus on the aircraft and we also house the schoolhouse. So very diverse in those squadrons and the schoolhouse. We've got our fourth squadron. It's got the P-8, the P-3, E-2D. We have Strike, which got the F-18 and F-35. The Rotary Wing Tilt Rotor Squadron. So our V-22s, our H-60s, H-1s. Pretty much all of the Rotary Wing aircraft reside in there. And then we also have the UAS squadron, UX24, which does all of the unmanned systems, the smaller unmanned systems, I should say.
0: Why is Naval Test Wing Atlantic such a valuable asset to our naval forces?
1: So what's unique with, with Test Wing Atlantic is all of the squadrons that I mentioned, and there's more platforms in there, I'm sure, that I didn't didn't actually say, but they are going to have access to the very latest technology that we're going to provide our sailors and Marines to provide capability, warfare capability to provide lethality to the fleet. And uh, today, as we kind of look at the environment we're living in, there's really a lot of importance in increasing the lethality that we have for our fleet. Threats that are out there are real. And our squadrons get to test those, those capabilities and ensure that they're going to be able to meet the requirements of the fleet.
0: So now to your career path, what led up to you becoming commodore of Naval Test being Atlantic?
1: So as a as a young first tour um, for me as a Marine lieutenant then captain, I didn't know anything about acquisitions. I didn't know anything about uh, test and test pilots. During that tour, it just it hit me when I found out about test pilot school that there's a world out there that actually buys and sells and 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 develops this technology for our our warfighters. Test pilot school was my entry. I saw the Commodore as I came in, and I knew what the wing was, and I wanted to to be that guy.
0: So we recently had the opportunity to sit down with Commander Ryu, the commanding officer of the United States Naval Test Pilot School, to talk about the student experience while attending school. But what happens after graduation? What does the career path look like for a test pilot once they leave TPS?
1: Those folks that are in the schoolhouse will go back out to those test squadrons that we talked about earlier. And they're going to get behind or in the cockpits of those aircraft and test those capabilities that were designed on paper and now actually turned into hardware, and they're going to go see if it works. And they've got that background of fleet knowledge to say, can I put a mission relation to this? Can, I, can this system work the way it's supposed to while they're doing the engineering tests, So it's, it's a way for us, and this is why we invest so much in these 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 sailors and marines that go to the schoolhouse, is because we want them to be looking at it from the operator's perspective while they're doing the engineering stuff so we could see stuff early. So they're going to go there, and they're going to man up these aircraft that have this new technology, and they're going to test it for the first time.
0: So what would you say, in your opinion, separates a test pilot from an aviator?
1: So. I think they're all, we're all going to be aviators. And really, what, we, what we're trying to do is, is get the, the aviators that we talked about earlier, that had a successful first tour, that demonstrated that they're able to fly the aircraft, they had the leadership capability, um, decision making, understand their mission, their platform. And we want to train them to speak engineering. It's kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. So, is there a difference? I think there there isn't a difference. What we want is we want to take those aviators that that come into test pilot school, and we want to send them back to the fleet, so they could explain to that young lieutenant captain you know that walks into his aircraft for the first time and sees this antiquated nav system in there and can say, this is why we have that right now, and this is what's coming, right? And so. It's as those folks come in through the schoolhouse, go through the squadrons, get that experience. Some will stay here in acquisitions, like myself. And others will go back to the fleet. And that's tremendously valuable for us because they'll command squadrons. And they will be the mentors for those young folks that are just aspiring right now and, like me, didn't know anything. And I didn't have somebody who was a test pilot. I didn't know anybody that knew anything about acquisition. I did all the research on my own at that time. So the more we get those folks that can come through here, learn the skill of what it is to be a tester, whether you're an NFO or a pilot, and go back to the fleet and just convey that to the young workforce that's out there and our sailors and Marines.
0: That's a good point. I'm sure sharing that experience is just invaluable. But what would you say is the greatest thing about being a test pilot?
1: Boy, so many great moments. I, I will say the, the generic greatest thing about being a test pilot is the reward you get after you've successfully completed a test and you see that capability fielded. And knowing that you contributed to that capability and that, that lethality that is now in the fleet. And what, what, one example, brand new test pilot, just got into the squadron, a 53 Delta guy, so I'm a, an old retired aircraft that's no longer in service. But it was still around when I was in my first tour, and it was being deployed on ships that it never been deployed on before. And there was a, a Mew that was out there, a combat element, that was out on the ship that didn't have an envelope that was expanded that they could use that was useful based on the weather conditions they had. And so we were able to go within 10 days we took some aircraft I mean, it was a planning process but within a 10-day test window we were able to develop a envelope for day and night that we were able to turn around in transit from hawaii to california we wrote the report and we were able to finish up within three to four days the report and then within 24 hours of the message being released of that flight envelope we heard that the mu was using it and uh, that's probably the thing i have the most pride in in the time that I've been a tester, and I've been a tester for a while now, but rewarding.
0: So considering that story, why do you think it's so valuable that we have test pilot school in the center of test and evaluation?
1: It's, uh, that's a good question. So, so test pilot school is the, uh, it is the gateway for, for testers in, in so many facets, not just in the pilot or the NFO, but as I mentioned earlier, engineers, different services, different countries come through. They, in collaboration with the other test pilot schools, set the standards for what it is that we're going out there doing. And the schoolhouse is more than just the, the ones and zeros and the, and the formulas and, and learning the science and the engineering behind what it is to be a tester. It is establishing the culture, the mindset, the critical thinking. That's really the things that you gain from the schoolhouse. You're going to learn all the specific technical stuff. Of course, how to write and write right way. But the thing that, that you walk away from that experience with is the critical thinking and how to look at a problem critically and how to, how to look at something that may seem like it'd be impossible to get done. And, and, and this is the, the thing with a lot of our programs today is we have less time than we would like to have. And so we have to think critically as to what is the real risks that we have and how do I mitigate them? And a the schoolhouse teaches you How do I look at that risk and look at it from different perspectives such that I don't just do this one way every time. I'm going to differentiate what I'm doing based on what I'm testing and the risk involved with it.
0: So that's an important point because we're always kind of talking about we need to kind of take more risk to speed these products to the fleet. How do test pilots play into that equation?
1: It is their job. That, that's probably the greatest thing that the test pilots and testers, and, and all engineering is hand-in-hand, is hand, the flight test engineers with the test pilots, looking at what it is that we can do with the resources we have. Because every program that I have experienced, by the time we get to the point that Flight Test has the program, we have expended most of the resources for that program, and everybody is looking at limited resources. And the capability that the fleet need hasn't changed. We still need to get the fleet that capability. So what can we do and test? And that's what they're always looking at us, to to collapse the schedule so that we can get the capability out there. And Now we're looking more than just, hey, this is the entire thing that we had on contract that we wanted to buy for the fleet. Now we're kind of, at this point, most of the time, are saying, I can't get everything. So testers help me figure out, as the program manager, what is it in that box I can get? And then work with the fleet. Another huge, huge point about our test squadrons here, and it's the same thing on the West Coast, I'm sure, is that we are closely, so closely integrated with the operational testers and the weapon schools. Because those two are the closest to the fleet needs, and it changes a lot. And it changes a lot in the lifespan of a traditional big program, which could be 10 years, right? So through that life, when we get to that point where we're, we're at the end game of the, of the program and we're in test, now we're collaborating with the weapon schools, we're collaborating with the operational testers, with the developmental testers to look at exactly what you said. What risk can we take that is calculated, it's understood, and we think is the right decision to make? That collaboration happens. Um, such that we can get these programs across the finish line with the capability that the fleet needs on time.
0: Why do you think the relationship between a test pilot or an operational pilot and an engineer here at NAVAIR at the Knox is so important? And what do they offer each other in that relationship?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. It has been the um, it has been a passion of mine since I came into this world as a as a young test pilot and working with my first engineer, and building that relationship and understanding exactly what are we going to trade. Like You have a lot of test experience, the engineers, and I have a lot of great fleet experience. And so it's an exchange of information that is so valuable that when I work through my career as just in that little pod of a a flight test engineer and project officer doing our VH-71 testing or our 53 Delta testing, communicating what I knew as a fleet aviator that was trained in test pilot school and him at the time was communicating to me his experience in tests on things that he lessons learned because this is my first first time through test and that every step of the way when I took over the 53k test team made sure that that was reinforced amongst the team it sort of happens naturally but with with a little bit of of focus on it, it becomes a great synergy between the engineering smarts and the, and the fleet background that's trained to kind of speak that engineering. And even now in the wing with MAO, we're pulling the engineering workforce literally inside of the wing now, where in the past we've done it virtually.
0: I love that answer. So speaking of that synergy, how important is it for a test pilot to have a STEM background?
1: It's, it's, a, it's another perception out there, I think, that folks would say, you must be an engineer. You must have this strong math and science background. And i got to say, to some degree, that, that's true. You do need calculus. You do need some very basic understanding of the math and science in order to speak to engineers and understand our business. But the first person to fly the 53K brand new helicopter was a history major. So Jonathan Morrell, um, retired now, was the first Marine to fly the 53K, and he was a history major. But he was determined to go to test pilot school. And he took calculus, and he took physics, off time, so that he would have the basic fundamentals, what he needed. Everything else, it's just it's your passion for the work that you want to do. And someone that's willing to do those things, we want that person. Because they're willing to go the extra. Y- it's not easy to, especially if you don't have the buildup for it, to learn that sort of, Information or that kind of um, um, academics. So, so it's not something that is, and even in the, when I'm sitting on the boards, it's not the highest priority thing that I look at. You know, it is important that the person that looks at your academics says that they took this requisite courses and did well enough that we'll think they'll pass the academics. By far, the greater thing on boards that I look at when I'm on them and have been is. What is your proficiency in the platform? Are you a weapons and tactics instructor? If you're a Marine, that's, typical. that's not atypical. It's very typical to have that. Have you had leadership roles as, a, as an aviator? Are you an instructor as an aviator? Do you know the capability and how to tactically deploy your aircraft? And then performance, how well did you perform? Could be your day job, whatever. Most naval aviators have some sort of day function job. How'd you do on that? Were you you an assertive and and forward-moving person, or did you just kind of get by? Academics, it's probably the lower of the three big things, which is one, how tactically proficient are you in that platform? Then how did you perform in whatever it is that you were given as a task? And then it's the academics. you got to have the minimum required because otherwise we're just going to set you up for failure. But it is um, the other two that are the most important. And then you have to at least have the minimum stuff that they require.
0: All right. So now I know that I still have a chance as a communication background. I'm just... Absolutely. <laughs> it's a lack of flying experience. though might be a problem. All right. So what platforms currently have the greatest need for pilots?
1: I just was on the, the last board. And I will tell you that the community that needs the most attention is our NFOs. So our Naval Flight Officers for all of the different platforms, we're just not seeing as many applicants as we'd like to. For the pilot side, we're, it's pretty fairly uh, populated and it ebb and flows, but really if I were to say there's one area I would love for folks to focus on, it's uh, our Naval Flight Officers and getting them to the schoolhouse. That's, that's where I think our, our lowest point is right now.
0: So it's obvious that you love what you do. I do. But why are you so proud to be the Commodore of the Naval Test Wing Atlantic?
1: It is from, that, from the first time that I came here and I saw Captain Phelan in this position at various reviews, and I saw the ability of where he stood and what he could influence in his position. And today, I am, I am in this position during a time of change. And that time of change is bringing the engineer formally into the wing. And there is such pride in knowing that from when I came in as a project officer and I was in this small group doing a single test with my project engineer to the various positions that I've had in my test career, for it to culminate here now with a true integration of what I had seen virtually done and tried to virtually do brings a tremendous amount of pride to me.
0: Well, sir, I want to thank you for being here with us today and for sharing about the Naval Test Swing Atlantic and the value it brings to our Naval Forces.
1: That's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.